The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 85. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today we're discussing the 10th Doctor two-part story, Army of Ghosts and Doomsday, and the end of Rose Tyler. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? So here it is. We've 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 made it to the end of another uh, rewatch of a season of New Who, um, and uh, we're 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 at the the first time in New Who that we we lose a companion, uh, that the companion departs. Um, this is so another significant event to see how New Who handles it versus Old Who. So uh, so that'll be an interesting discussion. Uh, and and, it also- and they. And they fake us out by telling us Rose is going to die, yes. which they've been hinting at for a while. Yeah, it, and it's a very Moffat way of ending this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although, as even far as this, I know... Even though this is Russell T. Davies. Yeah, it's not, uh, yeah. Stephen Moffat did not. Um, there was... Uh, now, just to kind of a throw, out, throw this out there at the beginning, there was an idea. Davies had an idea to do a Rose Tyler spinoff show. I don't know. Did you either? You know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Where she would be, you know, Rose Tyler, uh, defense of the earth or something like that, where yeah, she would defend. To, to spoil the end of this, she ends up in another reality where she is apparently going to become a defender of that earth. Right. The, she, the, the Cyberman reality yep. uh, where we yep. earlier in the season saw the Cyberman. Yep. And she she works for the Torchwood of that reality. Uh, and that Davies decided not to do it. Not even, he didn't even talk to Billy Piper. He, you know, it was he didn't get very far with the idea because he realized it would um, undercut the emotional impact of this episode or the, these stories. Uh, yeah. If he so if he, he later undercut it in a different way. <laughs> yes, we'll, exactly. We'll get to that one. Um, so we have um, this episode was was broadcast July first, two thousand six. It was the end of the second season. Uh, it's two episodes. And uh, so a couple of things. So, so the basic plot of this is um, Rose and the doctor, they, they come back from traveling and they discover that everywhere in the world, that, that everywhere in the world, every day, several times a day, these ghosts are appearing and people believe them to be the ghosts of relatives or loved ones who are coming back to visit. Um, and it's become such a, a very normal part of everybody's life. Uh, and it's a worldwide phenomenon. And uh, they They even know when it's going to happen. Yes. There are ghost shifts where the ghosts will show up for two minutes and, you know, in advance that's going to happen. Right. At a very particular time of day. And then uh, although if 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 your loved one is supposed to show up in the middle of the night, well, I guess that's your bad luck, you know, where you are. (laughs) Um, The. they discover through, you know, we'll, we'll go over some of this stuff, but they discover it's the Cybermen coming through from the alternate reality, the Pete Tyler reality, where Pete Tyler survived in the world where Mickey stayed behind. Um, and at the same time, 
uh, the Torchwood Institute uh, is is frankly responsible for this happening in some ways. I I, I want to talk about that in a bit. Like who's really responsible? But um, they've also got this void ship that contains the Daleks who survived the Time War, and uh, they're certain Daleks. Certain Daleks, yes. Um, and they get out, and then they go to war for dominance of the Earth, uh, which is it's actually a lot of fun. So um, we the this, this this the story opens up with a uh, um, a montage of Rose sitting yes. on a train, looking kind of sad, giving us some narration about right. this is the story of how I died. Right. But we start with an image of the Earth, which I, I was kind of curious: how many season finales or Christmas specials start with a voiceover of the Earth in at least in New Who? It, a lot. A lot. I, I, <laughs> I don't have an exact count, but the very next episode, the Christmas special, the Runaway Bride, starts exactly the same way. Right. At least Rus- Russell T. Davies. I don't. I don't remember as many with Moffat, but Russell T. Davies obviously really liked this shot. Yes, we get a lot of shots of it, even in the Stephen Moffat era, like in uh, you know the Big Bang and the Pandorica opens. We have the same kind of shot. Right. It's a shot of the Earth, and then somebody doing a voiceover, whether it's the Doctor or a companion, or in one case. Um, not Rashomon. What's his name? <laughs> the uh, uh, Rassilon. 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 I always get that. Rashomon is a Japanese movie about viewpoint. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, and then Rose, as we said, right off the bat says, I died, which is, I feel like that's kind of cheap. <laughs> I don't mind it. I thought it was effective, but then she doesn't actually die. Well, that's the thing that gets me is uh, that's what makes it cheap for me. If she comes here and says, I die, and then they build that into a story where she dies at the end. Not that I want Rose to die, but but, but they're going to say mm-hmm. it. But but to kind of undermine it by by not her, by, by well, she died in a way, you know, like she mm-hmm. died legally, legally. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's. I'm, uh, don't say it if it's not going to happen. That's what I kind of I kind of say. Yeah, I did. I did like a number of things about the uh, the opening of this because once once we have once we get past that little opening bit, we have the doctor and Rose showing up at Jackie's apartment or whatever you call that. Yeah, her dwelling, her flat, and her yep. yeah, and and they're doing a whole bunch of little bits of business real fast. Mm-hmm. And I and I like the way they do that. Um, you know, Rose has laundry that she needs yeah. done. <laughs> She's back from college. <laughs> and and that's that's, you know, realistic. Although the, the, I assume they have laundry facilities on the TARDIS. I was they say, must. The, the, the TARDIS <laughs> TARDIS's laundromat must be out of service. Yeah. <laughs> um also Jackie is like, you know how much she didn't like Christopher Eccleston as the doctor, but now she just totally loves David Tennant. You yes. know? And she's she's just all over David Tennant. <laughs> and then Rose has this little knickknack that they got on another planet, a little made out of the metal bazoolium yeah. that will let her predict the weather because it changes temperature in anticipation of weather changes. And it's just a nice little throwaway concept. I have a barometer too. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly. I, I got Jack, one right there. Jackie seems rather unimpressed with the bazoolium knickknack, and I'm. I, I thought she was going to say, you know, we do have the weather channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was as a tangent. I was telling my kids about the weather stick this morning. You know the you know it, it's, it's a oh, stick, yeah. and you it has a sign that says if it's wet, it's raining. If it's white, it's snowing. If if it's hot, if it's, gone, it's, hot it's a up. tornado. You know yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's sort of like the bazoolium. Um, 
So uh, how long have the Doctor and Rose been away at this point? Like, do we have a sense of, of that? I don't think we really do. Um, well, at least at least two months, at least two well, months, because that's how long they said the ghost shifts have been happening. Yeah, it could it could well be more than that, but it's at right. least that long. But obviously not as long as like Amy and Rory would stay away because they claimed that they had aged like about 10 years in their estimation over the time of their travels with the doctor. Right. And that was kind of making it for the fact that they actually it was almost like 10 years with two seasons in it <laughs> that we saw yeah. with the with Amy and Rory in the uh, 11th Doctor. Uh, and uh, keeping in mind that w- because of the with the ninth doctor, they were away for 12 months and Jackie thought Rose was dead. Um, that we're, Even though this episode aired in 2006, it's taking place in 2007 because they had right. to, they had jumped things ahead by uh, 12 months. Um, so there's that you know uh, shift of the calendar a bit, but it's not it doesn't really enter into this story. So it's not really all that important. Um. We then get into Jackie's announcement that her father, Granddad Prentice, is yes. a, who is a ghost, is going to be showing up in a few minutes, and he does. And then they start. Why? I mean, he's you know a blurred out image. Right. Um. Can't really make out any features, but she feels that it's him and thinks that she yeah. can like detect the odor of the cigarettes he used to smoke. But Rose and the doctor can't, and uh, the doctor suggests that this is something that is like a psychic link and that's helping pull the ghosts into this reality, the people's desire to have them be linked with them as their loved ones. They also watch um, television and we get a montage of how the ghosts have impacted society. We get a clip from EastEnders. Yep. Uh, we also get clips from around the world, and I'm going, well, do they really have this many foreign language channels on London cable television? <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, a lot of the people that we see are the presenters, are real pre- presenters in British television. The uh, mm-hmm, the so. guy from Ghost Watch is a real you know presenter. Um, the the one who's like, who, the, well, I don't think anybody's going to need me anymore, is a real yeah. life ghost hunter or, or medium called, or medium and I did air quotes. Uh, name's Derek Akora. Um, so I, I felt like it was the TV spots. They went on too long and they got a little too mm-hmm. slapstick, like the ghost forecast yeah. and the, the ghost t-shirt. Like, it's just, I don't know. It was, the, the more, the more Povich equivalent, you know? Yeah. It was just a little, oh, I, I married my, I married a ghost. Yeah. I mean, just, it would have been enough to just have some news reports. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just yeah. got a little kind of slapstick. What what I found particularly problematic about it was Jackie's explanation that this just started happening two months ago. And at first, everybody was screaming and freaked out. But then we realized how lucky we are. And I'm going, two months? No. Yeah. You know, I would still totally be freaking out. If you came back two years later, people (laughs) might have adapted to this. Right. Not two months. Yeah. I mean, you have to have some sort of in-story explanation that that they were being psychically sedated or something like that yeah, yeah. To, to to accept it it just yeah it was that, that's we're supposed well, to you, gotta, you know you gotta, accept it and move on and i guess you gotta remember this is a universe though where there's alien invasions every other month and people forget <laughs> about it two minutes after it happens right so. right like the uh the the Sycorax, uh of the over london yeah yep so uh then we get uh didn't we get Martha Jones? Martha Jones, or at least Only the, it's the not, actress. it's not Martha Jones. So, yeah, yeah. Freema Agyeman. Freema 
Agyama. I've never uh, been sure how to say that. Yeah. Um, Freema. Freema. Uh, her name is, uh, in this, her character is Ariola. She works for Torchwood. And it's funny. She got this, this job on, on the show before she even auditioned for Martha Jones. Like this was not mm-hmm. a, a, a stealth introduction. Uh, in fact, I think Russell T. Davies was saying that if he'd known that no. he would have her as Martha Jones, he would have had Adiola actually survive this and then kind right. of come up with some explanation that, that she's Martha Jones. So, um, and, and they, they actually uh, decided to explain this. Now, this is, of course, part of the big recurring faces mystery on Doctor Who about right. why that has led to fan theories about there being only a certain number of faces in the Doctor Who universe. And so <laughs> they crop yeah. up in weird ways. But um, they actually decided to explain in a novel that came out before the next season. So <laughs> okay. before we met Martha, that explained Martha, this, that this character is Martha's cousin. <laughs> okay. Martha's identical cousin. All yeah, right. Well, a Patty Duke, you know. <laughs> identical cousins all the way. <laughs> well, so uh, so apparently, so let's talk about this. Is, is Torchwood responsible for the, the Cybermen coming through? I, mean, yes. I would say that's a yes or no. I would yes, say that's yeah. a yes or no answer. Okay. So, They're not respon- so- obviously not responsible for the breach. That was right. the, the, the void ship breaking through. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but so, they, they aggravated the situation. Yeah. The way they explain it is uh, ultimately is the Daleks have this void ship, which at first we don't know what it is, but it's totally a ghouled teleball from Stargate SG-1. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And, and, and the Daleks in a, the Cult of Scaro, a group of four select Daleks trained to think like the enemy. So right. they even have names and personalities and use humor. Um, but they, the cult of Scaro escaped the time war with something called the Genesis arc. And apparently in the process of traveling through the void between dimensions, they smacked into ours, even though they were from here already. And in the process, they opened a hole of some kind into the, the Pete Tyler reality where the Cybermen took over. But Torchwood has been very effective on that side in defeating the Cybermen. And so the Cybermen are trying to flee through the hole made by the void ship to our reality. And Torchwood, in its quest to um, to get alien technology, is trying to, not knowing it's the Cybermen, but recognizing it's a powerful energy source, is facilitating that by having these ghosts set shifts where they flip these levers at at Torchwood headquarters at Canary Wharf and it lets the ghost temporarily come through and they're studying how can we uh how can we control this power source so mm-hmm. it's really all three it's the Daleks the Cybermen and Torchwood that are right. collectively responsible for what's right. happening were these that's, the- where, that's where the doctor did his little thing with the the glass in the in the office yes. where he, with the sonic right every time they spread yeah, yeah every time they open the breach it makes it worse um so were these daleks who escaped the time war in the alternate dimension they no they seem to be our daleks from all we know i mean they why see, exactly I, go see, ahead i thought it, i thought it explained it where they were they were daleks from our dimension and they went into the void 
to to evade the time, the time war. The time war. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we're so going to come they, back. They in were hiding. Time. They were hiding in the void ship until the right time to come back. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. Because um, they th- obviously thought there were no time lords left for the, to stop mm-hmm. them. Um, and so this sphere, the void ship, it puts off no radiation. It's present but not. Kind of drives you a little crazy. Um, has no mass. Yeah. And it's in the possession of Torchwood, which uh, where everyone wears uh, a conveniently obnoxious Bluetooth headsets, uh, the old 2006 version of the uh, giant <laughs> earpiece. Um, Many which, people do anyway. Yes. Which are where, where well, everyone at Torchwood, apparently, well, except for the bo- big boss, but but a lot of the people do. Um, uh, Just remember, if it's alien, it's ours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so Torchwood. OK, so this let's bring that up. Torchwood, unlike Unit, Unit works with the Doctor. The Doctor was part of Unit. Torchwood seems to be uh, another organization like like Unit's job is to defend the Earth from space invasion. Torchwood seems to have the similar job set up by Queen Victoria, as we saw in uh, Tooth and Claw uh, 100 years or so ago. And, but they're uh, more covert. Unit operates right. in the open, whereas Torchwood doesn't. And Torchwood, the Doctor, is an enemy. Yeah, uh, that's named as such in their charter by Queen Victoria. Right, right, which is uh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, so again, this is totally Stargate SG One. Unit is Stargate Command, <laughs> and Torchwood is uh, the uh, the rival covert organization, the uh, oh, what NID, that? NID, the NID, right. NID, which yep. stood for no ID, no identification. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and we totally have a gate room. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And the uh, the Cybermen are like the Guauld, and because they have the although the Daleks are kind of like them too. Uh, they have yeah. they're the the creatures with the creature inside. Um, yep. Wow, that's that is so Stargate. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just it just and blew the, my so mind, Jimmy. Again, and the reality <laughs> so again, cracking pattern. The reality cracking pattern is fringe. Right. So with an alternate reality on the other side. That's yeah. right. <laughs> so uh, once again, you know, Doctor Who ripped off pre preeminently ripped off from Stargate. Right. All well. Yep. Yeah, actually, Stargate had been around by, by mm-hmm. 2006. Stargate was actually well, well established at this point. Yeah. Daleks and Cybermen date from well, those the 60s. Two. Right, right. But the that's idea what I'm of, talking about. Oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. The game, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the creatures inside. I mean, heck, that goes back to uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, that's that's an old uh, trope. Um, so we have uh, the poor uh, Adiola and her. Uh, Work colleague Paramore uh, off for uh, an assignation uh, during the middle of the workday, apparently to the approval of her boss, <laughs> of their bosses. Um, well, not approval, but the boss is aware of it. Yes. You know, she says, oh, they think we haven't noticed. Yes. This is definitely but- not 2018. <laughs> 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 that, that sort of thing does not happen today uh, anymore. Um, and they get. Uh, cyberized, they get up, upgrade or upgraded in a sense, not put into suits, but sort of stealth cyberization, where they have the earpod thing, uh, where the blue they get a second Bluetooth headset, just like the ear the earpods of Pete Tyler's world. Right. Only this actually has a cord that like goes right into your brain. We later discover, and it's an effective moment of body horror when the boss lady, you know, takes out one of. Um, Adiola's ear ear pods and this, you know, snake like thing Ugh. 
tube comes out of her head mm. and it's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did, you know, the doctor says, don't pull that out. Don't pull it out. <laughs> Just don't <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't mess with it. And then uh, what, one of the fun things is, uh, you know, when the Cybermen emerge, so the Cybermen are hiding in this area of the Torchwood building where there's renovations going on. So they can't see them behind all the plastic, which is another classic horror movie sort of uh, trope. Yeah. And uh, but when they emerge from it, it reminded me very much of Tomb of the Cybermen that we just watched. Uh, recently. Oh, yeah. They, mm-hmm. they they cut their way through the plastic and emerge from it. It's a deliberate nod to that episode. Yeah, that was that was a very effective uh, thing they did there. Um, and so then we have uh, so the doctor and Jackie and Rose are investigating. Meanwhile, the, the you know, the the, the the Cybermen have established. And uh, there is a fun moment where they're singing Ghostbusters. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the doctor and uh, Rose, uh, and of course, anticipating the fans, they uh, the Rose asked the question: "Is it the Gelf from all the way back in right. season one, The Unquiet Dead?" And uh, the doctor says, "No." Uh, yeah, and- although they had given that the the fans knew the title of the episode in advance, there there was a lot of speculation that it would be the Gelf. And I think the BBC may have even misled the fans mm, on that right. point. Interesting. In order to keep the, the real story. The surprise. Surprise. Yeah. So there's, there's this moment where uh, Jackie confronts Rose in the TARDIS uh, while they're doing the, the doctor's off doing his thing, uh, where she accuses her of changing. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was an interesting moment. Um, you know, it, Jack- it, set, it sets up the pattern because <clears throat> we see Rose taking on a lot of responsibility. And we've seen that in recent episodes where she's not just a screamer like some of the old companions. She's she's grown through her travels and is now competent to deal with different situations. And they'll continue to explore this theme in New Who of the companions becoming more and more like the doctor over time. Right. And Ro- Jackie is essentially calling Rose out on that right now. She says you even look like him, which, of course, she totally mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing I was, I was kind of saying is that you think it is like, why is like, why is Jackie opposed to this? And I suppose, I mean, there may be a, the, just this natural impulse, like Rose is growing beyond the council flats, you know, their, yeah. their, their, their lower middle class lifestyle, uh, being a shop girl, which is essentially what, what Jackie has been. Well, and there's a great moment in the dialogue where, you know, to justify the changes she's undergoing, Rose says to Jackie, I used to work in shops. And then mm-hmm. Jackie comes back with, I work in shops. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Yep. And it's a really great human moment. I really like that. Right. And in fact, I think Jackie, this is like the best Jackie episode, finally, uh, you know, at the very end. Yeah. I mean, she's, there's a lot, I mean, there's still some denigration of Jackie, some snide stuff about her. The doctor totally abuses her verbally. Yeah, there are, there are instances where he like where she's she's for the first time. I mean, she's been involved in 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 adventures on, on mm-hmm. the sidelines a few times, but like she's in the middle of it. Her life is in danger. Rose's life is in danger. And she's understandably upset that the doctor promised to, to take care of both Rose and her. And he seems to be breaking it at several points. Yeah, there's also even a period in this first episode where um, the doctor reaches into the TARDIS after they're at Torchwood. He yep, reaches mm-hmm. into the TARDIS and pulls Jackie out and presents her as his companion, Rose. Because they assume yep. he has yeah. a companion and that it will be a, a woman and that right. he only has one, which right. was not true necessarily historically in 
classic good. No, but and they they don't present it as being certain that it's just going to be one and that it's going right. to be a woman, but they do yeah. know he's going to have a companion. Yeah. And so he presents her as Rose. He he says they encountered a time thing that aged her and so forth. But then we get this section in the episode where basically Jackie is functioning as the companion while Rose is holed up yeah. in the TARDIS. Right. Right. Exactly. And she holds her own for a bit. Yeah. Right? Um so, I, I like Jackie in this episode. I think she's really good. There was, I, I do like I do like the scene where she's in the TARDIS. You know, the doctor forgot she was in there. And she's sitting up on that catwalk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah don't, don't you? Uh, what is it? Don't fly off with me to some other planet. Um, the the, uh, the there's one moment where Vanessa, the head of Torchwood, is is explaining Torchwood to the Doctor and Jackie, and she says it was founded for the express purpose of making the British Empire great. And I'm thinking. Again, Make, yeah. making the British Empire great again. Uh, that's and a- and Jackie says there's no empire, and Vanessa says not yet. Exactly. <laughs> yes, this is a, a very interesting uh, organization. Uh, to say the least. Vanessa is an. I, I really like some of the Russell T. Davies dialogue in in this. Uh, there's a, a moment where, you know, after Vanessa, <clears throat> after Vanessa has said that the doctor is listed in their charter as an enemy. He says, am I a prisoner? And she's like, Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just so nonchalant about it. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, We'll make you totally comfortable. Yes. Yes. Uh, So um, then we, we get this discussion of the void and uh, in the void ship. Oh, and and it makes no sense. Right. You know, and the doctor says the Eternals call the void, the howling, and I'm 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 kind of curious as who are the Eternals? The Eternals are a group of very powerful entities um, who we met back during the Fifth Doctor, Peter Davison's time, where they were basically kind of having outer space yacht races. They're kind of high and above everything, and extremely powerful and able to manipulate reality in big ways. Okay, so they call the Void the Howling. Uh, some and he says some call it hell, uh, but it's a place where there's no time, no space, no up, no down, no anything. Uh, but you can travel through it. Okay, well, travel except, means ex- going from one space to another <laughs> over the course of time. So how yeah. can there be no time or space in the void? Right. Well, and, and the doctor says you can't. I mean, he insists several times that you can't travel between worlds, but yet. They do. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And they yeah. have. Uh, this This is a problem, and it, it spills over into – and I'm wondering if it's even broader than this, but I really started to notice it in this two-parter, <clears throat> and it spills over into The Runaway Bride, which is the Christmas special that follows this, where David Tennant's doctor keeps saying things are impossible even though they've just been done. Right. And it's like this is cliched writing just to ramp up the drama. Yeah. Well, yeah, he – I mean, the the 10th the Doctor spends a lot of time sort of sputtering at things. I don't know if, like, that's sort of my take on it is he mm-hmm. does, like, he kind of gets presented what? with things, situations like, what? No, what? What? <laughs> I mean, it's. And that's, that's not a bad thing, though, because that, that you know, we, we've talked before how classic who the Doctor doesn't always know everything. Right. But yeah. the tendency in New Who is to make him the all knowing, all seeing, all wise Doctor. Right. All powerful. And, you know, and that's. Um, that's not a bad thing. You know, as I was thinking, you know, instead of saying it's, you know, that's impossible. Well, I thought that was impossible, but apparently that, not, you know, that would, that would solve it right there. Yeah. 
Well, in it's fact, just a problem on the dialogue level. Yep. Yeah. In fact, I think in this episode at one point, I'm trying to see if in my notes where it says it, but at one point the doctor kind of says, I, you, you know, he, he does, he's not confident. He does feel like this is, uh, you know, he's not going to be, you know, the, 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 the solution. Someone tells him that you're the solution. He's like, am I, am I really? You know, mm-hmm. it, it, so there's not that arrogant confidence that we later see. There's also a nice bit after Mickey shows up in this and Rose says, but the doctor said you couldn't come back from the other dimension. And Mickey says, well, that's not the only thing he was wrong about. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> and so, Mickey, by the way, is totally competent in this. And I love I like seeing Mickey, Mickey again. Yeah. Totally Mickey. different Mickey. This is a this is a this is not the same guy, you know, and it's I mean, it is, but it it doesn't feel at all like the same guy that we saw in, in the first mm-hmm. episode in Rose. He's confident. He's strong. He's focused. This is the Mickey I wish we had. He's still, got, he's still got a little bit of the smart Alec. He's still got a little of the smart Alec. Yeah. yeah. It shows up once in a while, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like this Mickey. I wanted, I wanted to see more of him. And this is the last, well, almost the last we see of him. We'll, we'll see him again, uh, you know, briefly. But, um, yeah. the, so the, the doctor, of course, excoriates, uh, Torchwood for the stupidity of, of taking in in the sphere as he says so you find the breach you probe it the sphere comes through 600 feet above london bam it leaves a hole in the fabric of reality and that hole you think oh shall we leave it alone shall we back off shall we play it safe no you think let's make it bigger (laughs) that is is a perfect description of like like stupid science i mean this is one Uh one of the things that doctor who has excelled at over the years is exposing like just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should, even if you're a quote unquote smart scientist or maybe Ooh, now a specialist. Ripping off Jurassic Park, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just because you can do a thing, you shouldn't necessarily do it. Uh, I like how Torchwood built a 600 foot skyscraper to get up to the level of where the yeah. hole in reality is. Right. Right. The the uh, the the myth of the all powerful, all competent, uh, financially flush secret government agency. Because the because the because gov- in reality the government is so incompetent, they would yeah. it would never yeah. get done. Uh, but you know that's which is all, all the, the way, best for us. By the way, Canary Wharf is a real place in London. Yep. So yes. for people in England, this is like saying some famous place in America Times is Square. really a, a Times Square is yeah. really a secret government installation. Right. right. In fact, the uh, uh, scenes from Star Wars Rogue One were filmed at the uh, the uh, Canary Wharf uh, Metro, the Tube Station, hmm. um, which is very fun, interesting. So I think is it this a I think this is a like a redevelopment area. Yeah, yes. it was like 1980. They started redeveloping it, so now now it's a very popular part of London. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Rose uses the psychic paper to get into the into the uh, the sphere room, the void ship room, and I was kind Tries of su- to. well, no, she uses it to get into on the lock. Like she holds it up to the lock, and the door opens. And I'm thinking, no, it doesn't work on the people because the torture people have been trained to. Uh, to be immune to its effects. But I'm thinking, how does psychic paper work on a lock? It's also got psychic RFID. (laughs) Yeah, it must be a psychic lock. But but you were going to say, Jimmy, it is nice that that they're immune to it. Yeah, she shows it to Rajesh, and he's like, everyone here at Torchwood has been given a a basic level of psychic training, no dice. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So... um, the the first episode ends with the Cybermen coming through, um, and they uh, the sphere 
opening and Daleks being inside. And that's sort of our, right. our ending, yeah. uh, you know, our, our cliffhanger. And so then we couple, go to the, to the, to couple, the next episode. Yep. A couple little notes on the first episode before we hit the next. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so when the doctor first shows up at Torchwood, there's this big thing where all these soldiers pop out with guns and the doctor says, no, Rose notes the doctor doesn't have one. And so he says, well, that makes me the better person, doesn't it? <laughs> right. And yeah. and then he then he goes out and Vanessa, you know, sashays up and starts applauding him and like is so happy to see him. And everybody is so happy. Well, why did you just draw guns on him? Right, right. Yeah. You know, because, you know, it's the um, TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we have this bit with Adiola or I, if that's I may, I may be getting the name wrong, but Martha Jones is. Freema's character in this episode yep. um, <clears throat> where she is now under Cyberman control but she's like totally clever and flirty with other employees mm-hmm. getting them off to where they can be cyberized too right? and it's like I'm sorry Cybermen mind controlled people should not be clever and flirty right? you know Cybermen are not clever and flirty that's, so that's they're, removed they're from controlling them. shouldn't be yeah. Well, in fact, throughout this episode, yeah, throughout this episode, the Cybermen and the Daleks get uh, clever and quippy and funny, which is funny. I mean, some of these lines. We'll talk about those in a second. I want to get yeah. to the second, but yeah. but but you're right that they they are a bit out of character in this, and the Daleks are explained because it's the Cult of Scarrow. Right. Uh, so. Speaking and, and of these which, are alternate Cybermen, but still, they're yeah. not. None of them come across as clever and flirty. Um, right. One last thing about this episode sure. is there's a moment where Vanessa is um, <clears throat> she's canceled the most recent ghost shift, finally heeding the doctor's advice, and that's when the cyber controlled computer technicians start madly typing on their keyboards to flip the levers. Right. So the levers that open the ghost shift are moving because people are typing on computer keyboards. And it's like, if you control the ghost ship shift via keyboards, why do you even have the levers? I mean, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, that, that also has implications for the huge, uh, you know, show-changing ending, which is if you could have controlled it with the computers – why does the Doctor and Rose even have to be in that room to to, to almost get sucked through? They, yeah. they should have mm-hmm. been somewhere else. Uh, yeah, that's a huge plot hole uh, that they would be able to do that. Um, so yeah. Uh, so in Doomsday, we have the cult of you know the cult of Scarrow gets revealed. Um, is the cult of Scarrow something we knew about in in Classic Who? No, it's new. So this is a brand new concept. Okay, and. Uh, it's an interesting idea, and it, I think it sort of plays on some Cold War era uh, um, stories that, for example, the, like the Soviets built mm-hmm. America towns in 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 remote mm-hmm. places to kind of learn about being American from like acting like and living like America. I think there was there was a nineteen eighties movie with this plot as well, but. Yeah, kind of yeah. cheesy, but yeah. Um, well, well, the but, idea too of, of spies of you know those who integrated themselves into the culture and were so good at it that they didn't realize they were spies until right too late. Right. Yeah. Although yeah. it doesn't always work. My wife was once telling me um, about some German spies who tried to infiltrate British society based on having read P.G. Woodhouse and thinking <laughs> that Jeeves and Worcester is how you're supposed to act. 
that, chip, chip cheerio. <laughs> that, that would have been amusing. <laughs> so I think they were called, I think it was the Potemkin villages was what the, uh, mm. yeah, fake or, portable. Well, the originally, not so sure about that. Yeah. Originally I'm just looking Wikipedia's entry. Yeah. Originally there Potem- were fake portable villages built to impress Empress Catherine yes. in 1787. But I think there were modern uh, ver- variations on that. Um, the the concept of the cult of Scarrow, though, is I mean, it makes sense that you would have people, you know, trying to think like the enemy, um, and that does explain some of the things like the Dalek humor in this. It's not the first time we've seen Daleks use humor. Uh, they famously used it back in a first Doctor serial called The Chase, but uh, they also use it here. And there's this great moment with the Cybermen where the Cybermen point out that our two species are similar right? They're, because they're both part mechanical, part organic. And the Cybermen suggest that they ally to upgrade and improve the universe. And, of course, the Daleks being xenophobes are not into that. Yep. Um, but the Cybermen uh, are talking to them about how, you know, the difference between them, despite their similarities, is that the Daleks' appearance is less elegant. And Dalek Sex says, Daleks have no concept of elegance. And the Cyberman says, this is obvious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so a couple of great the smack talks. Uh, uh, the, the Dalek says, this is not war. This is pest control. Yeah. And, yeah. and then uh, the Cyberman, we have five, five million Cybermen. How many are you? Four. You would destroy the Cybermen with four Daleks. We would destroy the Cybermen with one Dalek, yeah. which yeah. is sort of recalls to me. It's not exactly the same thing, but Molan Labe, the uh, the Spartans' uh, response to it. yeah to bring it. You know, we we, well, we only need one Spartan to defeat your your. Uh, well, I, I love that. I love that line too about uh, the Daleks say Cybermen are more efficient than Daleks in one thing. What's that? Dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> you are superior in only one respect. Um, the uh, th- at one point, Mickey says something that's really politically incorrect today, but kind of funny at the time was like the Cyberman talking to the Daleks is like Stephen Hawking meets a speaking clock, which was yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, it, it, totally politically incorrect, but you know, you know, uh, I, I I have to say though, the, the second episode is most diehard fans' geek dream come to screen. Yeah, I mean, it really is. How many geeks have fantasized what it would look like if the Cybermen and the Daleks fought. Right, right. The two of the greatest uh, enemies of the Doctor encounter each other um, and go to go to war with each other um, with humans actually on the side of the Cybermen at one at one point. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. we see this, the the uh, the 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 preachers, what they call themselves, the 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 warriors that came through the breach from uh, Pete Tyler's Earth. Um, fighting shooting daleks side by side with cybermen it's it's sort of interesting to see um mm-hmm. so uh what we also find out let's see that that the dalek plan to survive the time war was the genesis arc um which is that we're told time lord technology but the doctor's not at all familiar with it he doesn't know what it is yep. and so he's never seen it before right and um, the only way for it to be opened, it's it, now when we see it, it has vaguely the shape of a Dalek. I mean, a it Dalek. Looks, it's obviously it looks like a, the, that vague shape. Uh, and the only way the the the, the um, 
Daleks manipulate it in certain ways, but they can't finally open it unless they have someone who's traveled in a TARDIS um, because they they carry that background time radiation and they have to touch it, just like Rose did in the uh, first season episode Dalek when she restored uh, the, the Dalek there by touching it. Um, we find out eventually that it's actually a prison ship with millions of Daleks yeah. inside. Mm-hmm. That the timeload technology is that it's bigger on the inside. It's an it's an Ardis. It it's is a Tardis. Tardis. Yeah, it's, it's just not a, a Tardis. prison Tardis. Well, it's not a Tardis. It's just an Ardis. Relative dimensions in space. It doesn't have time travel. At least they don't. Do they? Expre- they don't express that it had time travel capability. Right. Hmm. It was just bigger on the inside. I would assume it did. If you have to be a time traveler to open it. But right. not necessarily. Yeah, I mean that you know we we could assume that maybe it originated you know at at the end of time when they were the time war was occurring or I mean there's mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things. But you're right. Yeah. I mean it's it's at least relative dimensions in space. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it, I mean this is basically TARDIS technology being applied to prison yep. transport. Exactly, right. and um. And that also can explain why the doctor doesn't recognize it, because if it's a TARDIS, it's got a chameleon circuit. And so it can look like anything. Right, right. Um, so Wait, the, they have chameleon circuits? Uh, <laughs> might want to tell the doctor's TARDIS that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no. maybe we can salvage it. Um, <laughs> so, that, so meanwhile, the doctor gets transported back to Pete Tyler's world. We keep calling it that, the parallel Torchwood, uh, which looks like it was destroyed. Um, and... They want him, now that the Cybermen are gone off to the other Earth, he wants the Doctor to shut, to close the breach, to, because it's damaging that Earth. The, the temperature is rising in that Earth because of the breach. It's, it's They, they know for, for certain. Um, and the Doctor's like, no, I'm, if I do that, I'm stuck here, and all of the Cybermen and Daleks are over there destroying that Earth. And by the way, Jackie and Rose are over there. And he convinces Pete to, that, you know, hey, they're not technically your... Jackie, and certainly not your daughter in that sense, but that you're connected to them, and so they go back, and uh, and Pete says, this is that moment when when the Pete kind of says to the doctor, you know, you need to close the breach, and the doctor's like, what? Close the breach? Stop the Cybermen? Defeat the Daleks? Do you believe I can do that? And Pete says, yes, and the doctor says, well, maybe that's all I need. Off we go then, and I mean, this is yep. you know, this is that less arrogant doctor, like, you think I can do that? Uh, okay, let's give it a shot. Um, yeah, but the, but they kind of ruin it when you've got Rose. You know, they're they're uh, you know the the Daleks have just boasted we'll kill five million Cybermen with one Dalek, and then they <laughs> see the Doctor on the screen, right. and Rose says that's the Doctor, and the, of course the Dalek they, immediately backs up. Right, it's like oh five million Cybermen, you're not afraid, but one Doctor, yeah, now you're they afraid. They do undermine yeah. it. Yeah, um, the Doctor does tell the Daleks that he uh, he survived the Time War by fighting on the front lines of Arcadia. Which we then see in, uh, in the day of the Doctor, yeah. Um, and in fact, the tenth Doctor is actually present uh, at that battle because of the events of the day of the Doctor. Although what he means here is that he was there at the fall of Arcadia in a prior regeneration, yep. right? Which later is established as the War Doctor. Yes. Right. Um. Then we have the that meeting between Jackie and. Uh, Pete Tyler, who saves her life uh, from the mm-hmm. Cybermen, um, and you know how, and she's like, "How can it be you?" And the Doctor starts over-explaining it, and Jackie says, "Oh, you just shut up." Yeah. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> oh, okay, I, you're right, you're right. 
I can um, do that. And and then Jackie and Pete get this scene, and even though they're not from the same world, they've both lost the other one. Yeah. Parallel Jackie died, our Pete died. And and there's this bond, so there's this bond between them emotionally, and they start exploring that. And it ends with Pete just rushing up and hugging Jackie, despite the fact she's not his Jackie. And as someone who's lost a spouse, that really rang true for me. I yeah. mean, if I met my wife from a parallel dimension, yeah, I, I this would this would it would it would play out something like this, right? Right. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's the there's the metaphysical question: is is it the same person? But no. despite that, there's they are alike in personality, in look, and in all the in so many all the ways that really matter to us mm-hmm. as individuals. Yeah on, yeah, on you know in this plane of existence. Um, so uh, there is this one moment where they they can't help but kind of um, mock Jackie uh, Davies does. Uh, at one point, she's you know Pete asked her, "Was it, did you ever rebury?" She says, "No, there was never anyone else." And the doctor and Mickey kind of look at each other and smirk because, of course, yeah. Jackie famously has had a parade of boyfriends uh, yeah. Through, yeah. through the things, but, the, um, but it's still it's defensible in that there was no one else I cared about enough to marry. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, then we have uh, the doctor this whole time is running around with what becomes sort of iconic, his uh, old fashioned 3D glasses that are blue and red on up, mm-hmm. uh, opposite eyes. Um, we we don't know why he keeps doing this. And then until we finally at the end, he says he's he's seeing the uh, the background radiation from the it's void stuff, which void. if it's a void, <laughs> is there stuff? Have, it doesn't have stuff in it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so all right, uh, let's 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 put a pin in that one too. Um, pay, pay no attention to the plot hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, high plot hole as yeah. it goes by. Um, now, in semi-defensible, I mean, outer space is broadly considered a void, but it does have a very thin diffusion of gas in it. Yeah, but the doctor had been very clear that there's the void is nothing. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? If it's not, there if it's no absolutely nothing, it doesn't. It's not there. Exactly. Yeah, but is isn't this like the whole quantum issue where you know the late Stephen Hawking? You know, kind of stepped in and we said, well, you, you Christians came from nothing. Well, we believe that just the nothing happened to have a quantum flux. Right, right. And we're saying, no, that's not nothing. nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then we get to see Chekhov's anti-grav lifters, um, which, which, are, which the, are totally superfluous in this episode. Right. So in the, so the first episode, the Vanessa makes a point of pointing out this technology of these devices that allow you to lift up any weight, uh, you know, by hand, it removes the mass mm-hmm. from, from any, uh, anything. Um, and fo- following the Chekhov's gun rule, they then have to be used later in the same story. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and so the doctor eventually uses it along with Rose to, uh, to hold on as the, uh, the breach tries to suck them back into the void. Um, and, and that's just totally useless because if you, all you needed was a handle on the wall, right? You right. know that you don't need some anti gravity thing removing the mass from the walls to just hang on. <laughs> well, right. I mean, in fact, in fact, um, the 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 weak point is not the the handle; it's the wall. <laughs> so, if the mm-hmm. thing is, yeah. I mean, if we have a properly installed handle, it's going to stay in the wall. Uh, that's just yeah. It was that was a, like you said, superfluous. Um, 
we well, find while it, we're talking yep. while we're talking about that moment and the moment we're talking about is where the doctor and rose have opened the portal to the void i guess and all of the daleks and cybermen are being sucked through it because they've all got void stuff on them presumably and from so, all over the planet yeah from yes. all explicitly from all over the planet yeah. and and so they're flying at tremendous speeds through this narrow little window that they don't even damage <laughs> right um which is unbelievable but I did like an aspect of this solution, which is it's not a critical failure point solution. So many times in fiction, including Doctor Who, where we've built up the problem to some huge scale, it, the solution is, well, you've just got to kill the Queen Dalek or the Queen mm -hmm. Cyberman or the Queen Bee and everyone else in the collective will die. Right. And and you're so you're not dealing with the individual opponents one by one. And I hate that cliched trope. And here they avoid it. Right. Because each one of the Daleks and Cybermen has to get individually sucked out into this void. There's not just a central one that you can disable and it kills the rest. Right. Right. And in fact, we have a moment where uh, Dalek, the black, uh, I think he calls Dalek Sack. Yeah. Is uh, he he notices what's going on and then declares time shift and disappears, which. Yeah. Is that him going to Manhattan? The Daleks take Manhattan or is that. That's too far in the future. Yeah. He ends up there eventually. Yeah. And we, even though only he is shown uh, escaping in this episode, we later learn the rest of the cult of Scarrow has as well. Okay. Okay. Um, so we, we, we did mention that the, the Genesis arc was a prison ship that holding millions of Daleks. So apparently the, the Time Lords have enough, even during the middle of the Time War, have enough morality left to not kill all the, the, the Daleks that they capture, I guess. Might be from an early stage in the time war. Right, right. Um, so when we get to this moment of the breach, we have a bunch of stuff happens. Uh, of the, everyone who's been through the breach has to be on the other you know, once has to be in Pete Tyler's world to avoid getting sucked into the void, and so that includes Jackie. I mean, sorry, that includes Rose. Jackie's going to go just because she, so she doesn't get separated from from Rose. But Rose doesn't want to go. And so we have this sort of back and forth with where they trick Rose over there. She she gets over there, gets mad, punches the button, comes back. And now she's going to stay with the doctor um, and she's going to abandon her mother. That relationship has uh, she's committed to the doctor now. And um, and then in the process of the breach of uh, being closed, she she has to heroically, you know, let go of the handle to put the lever back in position and instead then instead of using a computer console instead of using the computer. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and then ends up losing her grip and is about to get sucked into hell, the void, the howling, the, the with, with all the Daleks and Cybermen. Um, when Pete Tyler, uh, emerges, catches her and brings her back uh, to his world, to his world. I'm not sure how he knew to do that at that point, but he mm -hmm. did. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how, why he doesn't get sucked in too. Since well, he's standing on the edge of the she, breach. She had blinked out um, from his world to come help the doctor. Right. So I assume he's he's it's just fortunate coincidence. He grabs her at this moment, but he was coming back because to retrieve her. I guess. Um, 
And then he just blinks out again quickly before the two of them can be sucked in. Right. Okay. I mean, it's so, but it's a huge coincidence, of course. Um, yeah. And then we have a very long moment. <laughs> it was always uncomfortably long of the doctor on one side of the wall and Rose crying her makeup streaming down her face on the other side of the wall and this back and forth. And I'm like, this is a very long, like nothing really happening, but, but the music and swelling. I, I didn't mind it. And I thought it called back to um, something they did at the very beginning of army of ghosts, where the doctor talked about how people's want for the ghost to be one of their loved ones established a bridge across mm. the dimensions mm. that the Cybermen were exploiting. And to me, I, I that's what I read is going on here. The Doctor okay. and Rose's want for each other was bridging them across the dimensions. Okay. All right. That's that's romantic and sci-fi enough to, uh, to, to satisfy <laughs> me, I guess. I'll retcon that. Uh, it, so in the process, by the way, there's a few other things that happened. The Doctor was, when he thought uh, Rose was going to be stuck in the other world, he was very nonchalant about it. Just sort of like, and was he putting up a brave face? Perhaps, perhaps. I, I think he was also, because he was expecting to die and be sucked into the void himself. Right. And, he, and so he was okay with Rose being in the other world because that way at least she would be safe. So it's like, I'm going to die, but she's going to be safe. I'm okay with that. Okay, okay. Um. I'm not sure why he didn't just get another person, say, from Torchwood who had never been through the void to operate the levers, but... Maybe from a keyboard. Maybe from a keyboard. Um, mm -hmm. So Vanessa, the head of Torchwood, got cyberized, uh, but was able to overcome her programming. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm she just, gets some redemption. I, I feel like she's like a, a precursor to Cyber Danny. Because, you know, mm -hmm. at the moment of cyberization, she was, you know, I will do my duty to God and country and uh, or queen and country. Or I forget what the exact line was. Yep. And, um, uh, and sort of and, and was able to overcome the the uh, cyber programming. She's also a precursor to cyber bill yep. and cyber bill. That's right. Right. This is this seems to be a, a trend that uh, certain people can overcome the cyber programming. And, oh, oh, and cyber uh, brigadier. Don't forget. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so I like, even though she was a very unsympathetic character, she went kind of on a negative character arc. When we first meet her, she, we don't yet know that she's bad, but then she gets worse despite how charming she is. Yeah. And she's really presented very unsympathetically. And, and then she goes, because of her own folly, she ends up going to her death, declaring that she had done her duty for queen and country, even though she's horrified at what's about to happen to her. And then she redeems herself by overcoming the cyber programming and killing other Cybermen. So, um, quick question. All the people who were made Cybermen uh, after the Cybermen came through had not traveled through the void. So what happened to them? Well, that would be an interesting <laughs> question, wouldn't it? I, I'm yeah. going to have to assume, I, like for my own retcon, um, the suits came through the void. Yeah, they had to have the parts because they didn't have time to set up any manufacturing centers. Yeah. So they would have had to have the so cyber that, parts. All that stuff them. would have been sucked through then with the people inside it, obviously. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's, but the poor people who, <laughs> but, uh, so, um, a, a, a cultural reference, pop culture reference in the show, uh, that the doctor and Rose are, as they're getting ready, they kind of like, like mutton Jeff, like, uh, something else and like shiver and shake. And then there's, mm -hmm. you know, well, which of us is shivering, which is shake? And the doctor says he's shake. 
Um, so this is a reference to a weekly comic magazine in Britain in 1973 and 74. It was a very short-lived, got absorbed into another uh, pr uh, property, intellectual property, uh, continued on a little bit after that. And Shiver was a ghost and Shake mm -hmm. was an elephant. And it's kind of interesting because if, if Rose is Shiver, she's the ghost, which is somewhat apropos since she's dead. Uh, in quote, unquote. Yeah, quote, unquote. Yeah, quote, unquote, in this episode. I, I did the air quotes on both podcasts. It's a bad thing. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't do the air quotes. Um, so Also, I think the doctor assumes the role of, of Shake because Shiver is more explicitly fearful, and that's consistent with the role of a companion rather than the doctor. Right, right. Um, he has more native bravado, although <laughs> Shake itself can signify fear. Yes. Yep. Um, and so we have this um, interlude at the end where we now have Rose in Jackie and Mickey and Pete living uh, this, this nice domestic situation on the other side. It's uh, three months later. Rose has this dream in the middle of the night. And we have this voiceover narration. Um, Rose, bud. <laughs> Rose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rose, bud, wolf. Uh, <laughs> and it, she gets this calling and they, they hop in uh, Pete's uh, old Jeep and they drive uh, to Norway. To Norway. To Over the English Channel, I guess. Yeah, Darling, or maybe under it. Darling Ulf Stranden, which is outside of Bergen, and it's, which translates as Bad Wolf Bay. And that's where there's a little bit of the breach left, a tiny bit. And uh, that's where she gets called to go. Um, the doctor is, doesn't actually choose it. It's just it's coincidence of some sort. Uh, the the uh, universe uh, having some fun there. I like the fact that when she tells him where she is, it, she yeah. says, Darlig Ulstranden. He says, Dalek? And she corrects it, yeah. which is fun yeah. because I think in that instance, I think the, the, the writers, uh, Davies knows, if they just say Darlig Ulstranden, the, that a lot of viewers will think, Darle Dalek, and so they fix that right then and there, yep. and, and that's that's smart. Although it does pop the hardcore fan out of the story, saying, "Wait a minute, shouldn't Norwegian be translated by the TARDIS translation circuit?" <laughs> right. Maybe <laughs> the TARDIS knows not to translate place names, uh, so because uh, it knows it's capitalized. And <laughs> so the doc, the it's doctor not translate every noun in German. Then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, the TARDIS doesn't do German. So the uh, the doctor is communicating across this the, the 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 very tiniest bit of the breach that's left that's closing, um, and he says he's burning up a sun just to say goodbye, which is aw romantic. Um, <laughs> uh, as long as nobody's around the sun. Um, and he's projecting an image of himself to this beach to talk to Rose. And, and she wants to, you know, touch. And he says, I'm still just an image, no touch, which is ironic given how he was earlier mocking the Daleks for being unable to touch anyone their whole lives, you know, being mm -hmm. locked inside their casing. And in some ways, I mean, we, we get this several times in New Who, and I don't know if it's in, if it's in classical, this sense of the Dalek saying, you know, the doctor, you make a good Dalek. You know, the doctor, you're you're more like us than you think. Um, mm -hmm. And because he's isolated, he's alone, ultimately, always. Um, and this is sort of that idea. Um, as we said earlier, Rose is, you know, reveals that she's working for Torchwood. Uh, uh, there's an interesting moment where she she's, uh, talks about there's a baby on the way. And he doctor's like, is it yours? <laughs> like it's like yeah, <laughs> as if there's you a question. You get together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, with a little bit of jealousy, 
and no, it's it's Jackie. And uh, and Rose tells him that she loves him, and then he's about Rose Tyler is what makes a big pronouncement, and then the breach closes. Um, yeah, we are told by uh, people in the production later on, you know, to kind of the the quell the fans. Yes, he was going to say it. He was going to tell her he loves her. We didn't is, need uh, to be told that, though. It was obvious. No, exactly. Right. I would have. I actually didn't like the the dialogue at this point because she she tells the doctor she loves him, and he says quite right, and which is <laughs> arrogant. Yeah. And and then he drags it out and says, mm-hmm. "Well, if it's not too late to say it, Rose Tyler." And that's when it fades out. And it's like, you idiot. Just say, I love you, too. Or at, exactly. least, be, at least do Harrison Ford and say, I know. <laughs> that would have been that would have been good. Uh, well, I mean, they, they spend a lot of time in this, this. They've only got two minutes. They spend a lot of time talking like inconsequential things like get to the yeah. point, get to the point. Um, and so uh, we, we come back to the doctor in tears, um, uh, you know, in the console room on the TARDIS. Um, and he dries his tears. He's about to take off. He turns around, and <laughs> Ca- comedian Catherine Tate is there in a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah. And so the doctor says, "What?" And she says, "Oh." He says, "What?" She says, "Who are you?" He says, "But." And she says, "Where am I?" Eh? And he says, "What?" <laughs> like back and forth. And then we cliffhanger to the uh, Christmas special, which is coming up, the Runaway Bride. Um, apparently, they had kept this scene very secret and to, to the point yes. of they had the minimum number of crew members necessary to film it uh, on and the they, set. They filmed it during the wrap party for the rest of the cast. <laughs> right, right. So they kept this pretty well secret, which is, you know, and again, it's, Don, you know, Donna Noble. A lot of people really like the, the Dr. Donna season. Um, oh, yeah. I do. I think. And it beca- oh, yeah. first, partly because it breaks the doctor as my boyfriend's dynamic that we yeah. often get um but also because donna is just so funny and, and, and their their interactions are great um there's such great chemistry between david Tennant and, and Catherine tate yeah and so this would have come and because she's a celebrity in england already so this was stunt casting right and 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 it and having her this known figure suddenly pop up at the season finale right at the end of the tearful farewell to Rose <laughs> right. tells the audience we're going in a comedic direction next. So don't be sad. Right. Yep. right. Or don't be too sad. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, a couple of things, a couple of further notes about this episode um, when this aired. So in July of 2006, that was the world cup was, was going on then as it is going on now, as we record this uh, and they used the Cyberman. Yes, apparently. Uh, you did, okay. They um. So, side note: seismologists recorded a small earthquake in Mexico the other day when Mexico upset Germany in the cup. <laughs> they literally recorded a small earthquake. So, yes, the cup is ongoing, and uh, and uh, they use the BBC used the Cybermen versus Daleks on a on a soccer pitch in the uh, marketing part, which I thought was funny. So, uh, so the music that plays after Rose is sealed off in in Pete's universe um, is the same music we hear the first time that that the Ninth Doctor shows Rose the TARDIS in the episode Rose. So there's that use of music that they do so well. A um, couple of funny little trivia bits: it's the only finale in the in New Who written by Davies that features the Tenth Doctor, but not Captain Jack. 
And that's good. <laughs> that's yeah. Good. So Parting of the Ways, Last of the Time Lords, Journey's End, and the End of Time. Because, of course, of course, Parting of the Ways is when we first get introduced to the 10th Um Army of Ghosts and Doomsday is the only multi-part series finale written by Davies not to feature a regeneration scene. So That's good, too. Yeah. Uh, one of those was <laughs> the regeneration of the Master. So, mm. kind of so, uh, oh, by the way, we got a uh, Mr. Saxon, or no, that may be Runaway Bride, where we get the next Mr. Saxon reference. Yeah, Harold yep. Saxon. Yeah. We, we did learn that um, in the alternate universe that uh, um, Harriet Jones, Harriet is Prime Jones, Minister, yes, uh, in a, president, yes, president, and has created a golden age for Britain. Uh, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I, I love that. You can keep an eye on her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, those are my notes. Do you guys have any uh, last notes about this episode? I had a few little ones. Uh, early on in Doomsday, the Daleks animate their suckers and put them on the head of Rajesh to suck info out of his brains. Yep. And I, I liked the animation of the suckers because otherwise, I mean, they look like toilet plungers. Right. And yeah. and finding something useful to do with them is <laughs> always good. Um Sucking his brain of information, though, which then kills him in the process, um, up to raises a question of why can't they do the same thing to Rose and Mickey? Because Rose and Mickey have just bargained for their lives on the grounds that they know about the time war. And um, and and so if you can just suck information out of someone's head, why not just do that to them? Well, they then I have an answer to that. Well, I know I'm I'm getting there. Oh, okay. Uh, It it then emerges that they need Rose or Mickey as time travelers to open the Genesis arc. Right. And then when the doctor shows up, um, they're wanting him to open the Genesis arc. And I'm thinking, well, why can't if it's just this time energy that's needed to open the arc? Why not just kill the doctor and put his hand on it? And I think the answer must be this is a security device. It's like biometric scanning for a time traveler to open this thing. Mm-hmm. And so you need someone who both has the time energy and is alive. Right. But why they also don't need to be a prison guard, I don't know. Um, yeah. So it, it leaves some other questions. I might, One, iPhone is more secure than that. Well, yeah. (laughs) Um, There's also a moment where, um, which I thought was just totally implausible, where the Cybermen have just given orders to take the Doctor and Jackie and Vanessa and cyberize them. And they're panicking. And then the cyber leader says, except that one pointing to the Doctor, his sudden increased adrenaline suggests he has vital information about the Daleks. And I'm like, all of them have sudden increased adrenaline. You just threatened to cyberize them. Then they're panicking. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, if anything, the doctor has less adrenaline because he's he knows he can get out of it because he's the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the, and the, one of the reasons I was thinking about why they kept both uh, Rose and uh, Mickey alive was leverage. So they knew mm-hmm, if they needed yeah. one of them, one of the living time travelers to put their hand on it, they use the other one, the threat to the life of the other one as leverage to get them to do it. But, uh, yeah. So that's what I was I was thinking why. Uh, and the mm-hmm. whole time Mickey had that device, so he could escape at any minute, but didn't because he was he wanted to be able to save Rose and fulfill his mission, whatever that was. Uh, so power to Mickey on that one. Uh, anything else? That's all I've got. 
Okay. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess that's it from us. We've, we've talked about these two episodes, uh, pretty well, but, uh, if spread the word spread. Yeah. Well, if, <laughs> yes. If, if, if you, um, if you like what you hear, please, um, let other people know about this, this, uh, podcast, share it on social media, write a review on iTunes. I can't tell you how important it is for podcasts to get even very short, like five-star reviews on iTunes, uh, because it really exposes the podcast to other people. I mean, it's, it's, it is, it is really important. That's why every podcaster asks you to do it. So if you could, if you enjoy this, we'd appreciate it. But please also share this on social media and let other people know about our, our podcast and this particular episode, if you liked it. But also, we want to know what you thought uh, of this 10th Doctor, two-parter, season finale, last dance of Rose Tyler, Army of Ghosts, and Doomsday. Um, so visit us at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page and leave some feedback on this particular uh, episode. Uh, or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. Uh, you can find links to all our personal social media and websites and other uh, show notes on sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fourth Doctor story, the, the Tom Baker era uh, story, The Ark in Space. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for sh- joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Hey, glad to be here. Thank you, Dom. Uh, Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening. And remember, why does the doctor always have to reduce it to science? Why can't it just be real? When will I see you again? Uh, Soon, I expect. Or later. One of those.